Welcome to Talking Confidence with me, Holly Kaplan. Having confidence in the workplace is essential for progress, fulfillment, and yes, survival. The issue is that confidence doesn't always come easy and is impacted and influenced along the way. Well, as a confidence coach, I know the key to finding and keeping your confidence is to recognize how professional situations have affected how you think of yourself. In this podcast together, we will examine exactly what impacts women's confidence in the workplace. We're going to get raw in these episodes. We are going to peel back the layers of social interactions, company culture, gender discrimination, ageism, and more. My guests will include entrepreneurs, corporate executives, and business owners. We are going to get down to what these women are really feeling. Expect vulnerability, openness, and relatability. But most importantly, expect to find your confidence. Have you ever been haunted by feelings of not being good enough or smart enough or as if you're just not worthy? Like if you walk into a work meeting and you instantly assume you're not the smartest person in the room and that once you speak up, you'll be found out, or you're offered a promotion at work, but you feel like you don't deserve it because you really don't think you're good enough. And if you take it, you may tend to beat yourself up and have fear of being found out. If you have had either of these experiences, you have experienced imposter syndrome. So you know the definition of imposter syndrome, it's this. It is a psychological pattern in which an individual doubts their skills, talents, or accomplishments and has a persistent internalized fear of being exposed as a fraud. This term was created way back in 1978 by Pauline Clance and Suzanne Ives. These two researchers defined imposter phenomenon as an individual experience of self-perceived intellectual phoniness. Imposter experience may be accompanied by anxiety, stress, rumination, or depression. Don't I know? I've been there. But we aren't born with imposter syndrome. It's actually formed and shaped by the social interactions that we have with others throughout our lifetime. These interactions can start at home as a child. They can be experienced during university years and notably in the workplace. They are a result of what people tell you, how they act toward you and what you absorb. And you can begin to believe it. Their words can become the lies you tell yourself. For example, when I was a kid, I wasn't the smartest in my elementary school class. I didn't excel in math and I became afraid of it. I had a teacher that first off scared the shit out of me, but it also became the expectation that I would not do well in math. The berating and shaming comments from parents and teachers lowered my expectations of myself. That is what they told me, so I believed them. Expect bad grades in math. It's who you are. Flash forward way into my 20s, once I entered the workplace, I faced a plethora of social interactions that further facilitated my imposter syndrome. And there are so many, I'll just give you some bullet points. In the 90s, I was told by a sales manager, Holly, (laughs) you need to think like a 45-year-old man to be successful. That left its mark on me for years. On another occasion, when I expressed a poor field training experience to my new boss at my new job, because my trainer was snorting cocaine between sales calls. He said, yeah, your input doesn't count on this. 
And lastly, in summary of these bullet points, really any shaming, ranking, or gaslighting behavior that happened on a frequent basis. Those are the interactions that activated the imposter in me. What you should know is that the imposter phenomenon is common. 70% of individuals will experience imposter syndrome in their lifetimes, men and women both. But it's about how we overcome it. That's the key. Our guest today, Annie Grinius, is going to share her personal story of dealing with imposter syndrome and how she was able to break free from the lies and tell herself the truth. Be sure to listen through to the end of this episode so you can hear my tips on how you can overcome imposter syndrome. Here's more on Annie. Annie is a high-spirited and ambitious woman with a genuine approach to empower others. She is currently working on a project called The Women Like You, which she created following an inspiring journey she has endured. Like you and like me, there are messy moments, scars both emotionally and physically that have brought her to this moment. This project is to represent women from all walks of life who are doing bold things. While often considered put together, she is raw and unafraid to share the grit it took to change her mindset on life. As a top sales performer in the med tech industry, Annie attributes her success to her belief in healthcare equality and commitment to acting as a patient advocate. Annie's core values as a sales professional are putting patients first and serving her community. She is passionate about the products and the solutions she represents, thus working for some of the top industry leaders throughout her career. Annie seeks to inspire those around her through positivity and vision. She's highly collaborative and acts as a mentor to incoming sales professionals, as well as her esteemed peers. Annie is a servant leader by nature. She currently resides in Los Angeles with her husband and their two sons. Annie is grounded in her faith, which serves as the foundation of her mission to empower others to be the best version of themselves. She was Southern raised, thus known for some random words of wisdom, bold truth-telling, big laughs, and a decent pecan pie. Annie is also passionate about health, wellness, and the great outdoors. If you would like to connect with Annie, you may find her on LinkedIn, or you may email her at info at thewomenlikeyou.com. Annie, I am so excited to have you on today because you're like one of my favorite people of all time to talk to. Oh, thank you, Holly. Back it's at you. It's so true. It's so true. Um, and we found our friendship like in the last couple of years, even though we've known each other right. for longer than that. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I want to tell our audience, if you don't mind, how we know each other. Is that okay with you? Of course. Okay. Y'all, we worked for the same company, in the same field, and we knew each other. And I had seen Annie on the stage accepting awards for being like a top salesperson. And I knew her peripherally, but I didn't really know Annie for who she was. I just knew that she worked for the same division in the company that I did. And then we found out that we both had the same issues with the workplace culture. How's mm -hmm. that for a good way of saying it, Annie? I think that is so profound and PC. I'm so proud of you, Holly. Thank you. That was very PC. It was. But, but can I, I'm just going to throw in two more words and they, they're yeah. going to be narcissism mm -hmm. and shame. Yeah. And um, because of those two things, we did not connect about what we were experiencing. Right. It's like we didn't want to talk about it. We didn't want to talk about 
the the culture that was around us. You never, yeah, you, when you're in it, everyone has a different degree of threshold. Right. And you don't even know how to name it sometimes. Mm -hmm. And so we were experiencing very similar things, even from some of the same people, but (laughs) didn't really know how to independently manage it. No. And I think I think what's so amazing about what you've done is you left that organization with a mission to heal and define and drive purpose. Thank you. And it's just been so amazing to watch again to everyone listening, I watched Holly peripherally because I was like, whoa, she wrote She's a crazy. book about her experiences. I never thought you were crazy. Yeah. And can I just say, can I say a funny story? Please. One, please. one individual in the company at the time was so narcissistic that he actually thought he made your book. I think that like is he, so entertaining. That's really entertaining. <laughs> that. Dude, you did not make the cut. You did not make the book. There was even arguments I had overheard that they were like, I think I did that. No, man, I did that. And I'm yeah. going, I don't, I, you know, years later after getting to know you and kind of understanding some of our journey um, in different facets, I <laughs> I literally thought back on that and I thought, Wow. There was so much narcissism that they actually were competing to be a star in your book. Okay, that's awesome. That's that's really hysterical. Because they didn't even realize it. Like, no, dude, that's me. No, no, it's me. And it's funny because I had other people contact me out of the blue about the book, Surviving the Dick Click, A Girl's Guide to Surviving the Male-Dominated Corporate World. Um, and they're like, I think that's me. It's like everybody looked at those experiences and could relate to them. And they thought that they were in that experience, um, which is a little scary at the same time, you know, but uh, that's, that's very very funny funny. about the narcissist fighting to be in the book. I should have just put their names in it if they wanted to be in it (laughs) or write another one. Yeah. We can do two. You can do a revision and yeah, totally. We could do it again. It's funny, so. but I will say, just so people don't get the wrong impression, it just takes one or two or three people to create that experience. True. Right. There were so many amazing people that um, we still hold relationships with that I Definitely. think we just recently also discovered. I'm like, I know that person. I love that person. Yeah. Um, and so uh, working there during that period of time was rewarding in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um but it's it is it takes one or two people to destruct a to to create a culture and then you know create yeah. a lot of animosity as well yeah that's all it takes that all that's yeah. all it takes and that's actually a perfect segue into our topic today mm-hmm. which i mentioned in the intro which is imposter syndrome um and i will say that those behaviors in that culture will feed one's imposter syndrome. And uh, I'm hoping that this conversation today will reveal how those 
social interactions have an impact and how to overcome them. So I'm glad you're here to talk with me today, Ms. Annie. Oh, absolutely. And I just want to preface that it wasn't until I went through a uh, spark session with you, a coaching session uh, series, that I actually knew that imposter syndrome had a name. Yeah. I I had no idea that what I had been experiencing my whole life until Summer spoke up and spoke out about imposter syndrome. And I thought, it has a name. (laughs) This makes so much more sense. It's not just a crappy feeling. It's branded. It's real. It's a thing. Imposter syndrome. This is yeah. this sums up everything. I'm better now. I'm better now. Oh, shoot. Know what that is now. Well, I'm glad you were on Spark and that was a lot of fun. And um, I'm glad fun. you got something out of that one. And we're going to talk about that in another episode because I, I do like that that series and workshop. But let's talk about you. Before we get into before we get into questions for you today, just tell us a little bit about you. Yeah, so I um I currently reside in Los Angeles with my husband and two sons. We have a nice big full life. Um I think another thing we have in common is we have a, a Greek family. Yeah. <laughs> Greek experiences. Yes. Um so we are a a beautiful Greek family. We have so much fun with so much culture. Um I'm from the south originally, hence that twang and so I, um, it's a lot of Opa y'all for me. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot of Opa y'all, but, um, we have a really good time. We're very outdoorsy, adventurous. We enjoy, um, all the beautiful weather in Southern California has to offer and the vast terrain. Um, so we're very active, um, in a variety of ways. Let's go to... Let's go right into imposter syndrome because I know you have a story. Annie, tell me about your experience with your own limiting beliefs. When did they start for you and how? Yeah. So Holly, for me, it's a narrative that really started in childhood. Um, I had a rigid upbringing in the South. Mm -hmm. You know, I had a ruler in my bedroom to measure the top of my knee to the base of my shorts as to not be judged. And so frequently... (laughs) frequently judged in the South. Um, It's kind of a common theme. Um, You know, lots of you can't, you know, you're too loud for a lady. You really shouldn't do that as a girl. And I didn't feel as though I fit in much. You know, it was very much square peg trying to fit into a round hole. And I think that carried over into young adulthood, you know, as a young woman trying to get started out of college, I was just conflicted with both excitement and fear of judgment Mm-hmm. You know, always being mindful of like, am I being too much, too extra, too loud? Um, and so that, you know, I was just always on my toes, right? Yeah, because you get used to living in those boundaries that are put in place by society. Because I remember the same thing. Mm-hmm. You know, you couldn't be too loud. You couldn't be too boisterous. You you had to be in a little box and be sweet and nice and polite. And I don't think either of us are really that anyway. Sweet, nice, polite. What is that? <laughs> Who? What? Who? <laughs> right. Exactly. So funny. 
And and there's also, um, you know, getting into sales, you know, coming out of the gates of college, I, w- I went right into sales, you know, it, it was a, such a great fit for my personality. But even, even with that, you also that rigid upbringing um, had a lot to do with, you know, respecting your elders, respecting authority. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of men carry a lot of predominant, you know, leadership roles. And I think our upbringing was kind of a tail end of, a, of that cycle. And I think it's still ongoing that they're trying to diversify and put women in leadership. And it's just, you know, it takes decades, you know, to succeed in these things. But even that was, am I being too aggressive, you know? Yeah. In the interviews, am I am I coming across too aggressive? Am I am I trying to be a girl in a quote unquote man's world? And so, mm-hmm. it, I, I most of my jobs, I was one of the only females. You know, just a handful sometimes on a sales team, and there would be 10, 20, you know, men in these roles. And so, um, yeah. So there was also that. Right, right. We weren't groomed or schooled to be in that environment. And yeah. you find that's where your personality fits. And you're like, oh, shit. Wait yeah. a second. Someone in a previous life said that, I think you wanted to get into management at the time. They said, this is never going to happen for you. Yeah. Uh-huh. And there are certain people that will try to keep you at your lowest. They, And again, I think that's their shit. That's not yours. But the way it makes you feel that day in years later is what is where the impact is. How did those words <laughs> affect you? Yeah, those those experience that specific experience affected me for a really long time. Um, that was really where I started to deal with how am I going to start telling myself the truth, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. And so in that specific experience. You know, it was following a series of awards and being told, you know, if you don't come back strong the next year, everybody's going to think that, you know, you're completely incapable of a promotion. And that this, you know, that period of time was that consistent microdosing, right? Over a few years where I just kind of believed the worst in myself. And even though, Holly, I came back year after year as a top performer. Yes, you did. Yes, you did. Um, I didn't enjoy the reward. Well, they wouldn't let you enjoy it. What's that? They don't let you enjoy it because you're constantly reminded, well, you're still not good enough. You got to do it again next year. No one's going to believe in you and you're not going to get that role. Yeah, it was constant. You know, it was as soon as that Q1 hit after the end of that fiscal, it was if you don't do this yeah you know you're 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 going to be a nobody you're you're not going to get a promotion you're not going to be seen as somebody valuable in the organization you know they'll they'll assume that you were just sandbagging and i'm like how can you can't I haven't sandbags cuz i'm continuously at the top but you know it was it was just this fear and so yeah i didn't enjoy the rewards i didn't enjoy the recognition i was given i was still being asked to mentor and lead other people and um 
you know, it just wasn't going to be enough unless I hat trick it, you know, unless I just, you know, three years in a row, like pop, 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 and then maybe I'll get some reprieve, you know, but it, it did, it still wasn't enough. You know, you I get know. there three years in a row and it still just wasn't enough. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that, that really carried over for a, an extended amount of time and caused me to, I didn't enjoy my work. And as somebody who is so passionate about patient care, and I believe so passionately about the products I represent, um, I didn't enjoy what I was doing. I didn't enjoy my engagement. I felt like I was doing more of a, a pressure and aggressive sale versus enjoying the process and being highly consultative. Um, Things that were natural to you. You didn't yeah. feel that anymore. Yeah, it took the joy out of what I was doing and it and it just put a lot of stress on myself and that carried over into my marriage. Carried I had, you know, two young children. It carried over into th- my babies' lives like they were just infants, you know. And so it was just it was very overwhelming um at the time and you know, you just you just kind of start to wonder, well, I can't really go anywhere else cuz you know, I'm just going to have these same problems, you know, because I believe the grass is brown on both sides of the fence. So Mm -hmm, it's like, mm -hmm. you know, I know that doesn't sound like a very optimistic perspective, but at the time, that's how I saw it. You know, it it does a number on your confidence because you're not confident enough to try something different. You're not confident in yourself. And I think like you said before, and in our pre-interview, that's where the freaking lies start. That's where mm-hmm. they start because yeah. of all that shaping around you, you start to tell yourself lies. You do. And when the lies set in, it becomes very stifling to your career um, and to other areas of your of your personal life, which are the, the number one priority. And um, to be in that really debilitating state and to just feel so negative about yourself, um, even though you've got other leaders asking you to mentor people and trying to make an example, you know, as a, a positive example out of you, you just, you know, you just kind of disconnect, but you do, you, you know, do. those experiences and those successes leaded to some great opportunities that followed in which I got placed into, um, a healthier environment, a healthier culture. And that's where I really learned to lean into building a tribe, to finding those people that advocated for me. Yes. That and and the roles that I stepped into right after, you know, um I wasn't the number one rep, but I received consecutively two MVP awards. Right. You know, and other types of awards for coming into an organization and being able to do what it was that I love to do and being my authentic self, it was such a freeing opportunity to get out from underneath that leadership and go do something (laughs) different. Yes. And that, that was where it kind of started to say, Hey, you know, that's where I started to kind of change my mind about myself, about my life, about what was going on. And I'm like, wow, I'm being myself and people like me, like people like what I'm doing and how I'm contributing. And I'm getting these other types of opportunities and I'm getting these calls to do some unique projects and product launches and train people, you know, right out of the, after the first year, they were like, do you want to be a trainer and train other people to do whatever it is you're doing? Right. And I, I would, the feedback that was given me was that I had a really good mindset. I had a growth mindset. And that was because I was 
leaning into doing this work of discerning between truth and lies. Which I love. And that takes me to my next question. Mm-hmm. How do you stop believing the lies? And what can happen if you don't? It really becomes, I, I mean, the examples could go on. <laughs> but, and oh, yeah. We got, we've got plenty. I've got some too. And I won't bore <laughs> everybody with that today. Um, that's another funny one. Yeah, it's another episode. Um, and just jaw-dropping too. But, you know, the the reality is, is that once once you sit down and i and i remember holly having to sit down and write down what is truth and what are lies mm-hmm. you know what are the facts here why do i feel this way why am i feeling stuck why am i not feeling motivated why do i feel less than why is it that i keep performing well but it's i'm not doing something good enough according Ugh. to my leaders yeah. right or or my peers and and then i start I start to break that down and I start looking at that list really in depth and I'm going, wow, I have all of these truths that are actually lies. These are, these are actually things that I've believed were true about myself, my, my, my process, my work ethic. Like, and, and that was that narrative of lies. And to think that I allowed for other people to influence my way of thinking, because I, I am a believer Holly, that nobody can make you feel a certain way, mm-hmm. but that they can influence and shape the way you perceive yourself. Exactly. Right. Well said. Yeah. They shape. They shape. Because again, things could happen. You know, you could have childhood trauma or you could have traumatic experiences as a young adult, whatever it is, you know, you're, you could be sensitive in some fashion and nobody really know it and say something to you. And then they, it just kind of tacks on to the weight you're already carrying internally. I mean, behavioral health is real. Yes. Um, but when you start looking at it and I'm going, these are, there's, okay, there might be one or two things here that are truths, but the reality is, is every single one of these, every 20, 30 of these items, they're, they're all lies. And I had to change my mind, right? To, mm-hmm. I had to change change the way that my mind worked. I had to go into a growth mindset and think about this these individuals that are speaking to me. First of all, it's not about me. This is right. the same narrative that other people are hearing too. Exactly. This is the same. Exactly. Other people are going through this too. This isn't just you're not so special that they're just picking on you, right? Even it's though like, you may feel like it because you're not talking you do. about it. Yeah. And, you know, and, but when you, when you're in the thick of it, it's kind of hard to discern that. But when you take a step back and you start looking at what's around and you start hearing other people and you actually start to reach out. And I think, I think one of the biggest lessons that I learned in the last several years of my career was when you're in, when you're, especially when you're in a high functioning sales organization and you're with a a lot of high functioning individuals there's not a lot of reach out other than, oh, what'd you do to close the deal? There was never a personal touch. I mean, you and I never reached out to each other just to connect. Could we have solved have. something I know. in the organization had we connected? I know. I you know? know? And so uh, the the challenge is, is a lot of people don't, they don't want to speak up or connect with other people because they don't, you're ashamed. You're you, ashamed. you said it earlier. Yeah. Shame goes right hand in hand because you're like, I don't want anybody to else to see my weakness. 
Right. Right. Because you can't admit weakness or feeling discomfort. And I want to go back to something you said. When you said that you were in the thick of things, that's when imposter syndrome really gets you. That's when the trash talk is in your head and you're telling yourself, you're not good enough. I don't deserve this. You know, this isn't for me. I'm not good enough. Because that's where we, and a lot of women get caught up in that, in that way of thinking about ourselves. Sure. What was, how did you feel at that moment or in those moments? And how was your confidence? I want to, I want to highlight this because I want other people who are listening to identify so that they can feel better about, okay, I'm not alone. This is what she went through. Can you please explain confidence and what that felt like at that moment? Yeah. Whew. I mean, that's, it's pain. Yep. Right. Mm -hmm. You, I lacked a lot of motivation. My relationship at home with my family wasn't great. I didn't enjoy being around. I didn't enjoy being around my family because I had so much on my mind. <laughs> I my health deteriorated. Um, I sleeplessness, you know, lack of sleep, lack of energy, lack of focus, and then and then you kind of start making mistakes, right? And then you really get go into shame town. <laughs> you know, you really go into shame town because then you start seeing some errors that you're making, and you're like, oh, maybe they're right. Yes. And it's because you're not focused and you don't have a healthy mind that you start overlooking things and they and things become bad habits. You are speaking you know, the so truth, Annie. You just broke it down. It's so true. That's how it evolves. That's exactly it. It's very self-destructive. Yeah. yeah. And I've spoken to a lot of women and even a couple guys, you know, a couple men that have shared with me some experiences they've had. And over the years and the reality is, Holly, is that when you sit down and you write out the truths and the lies and even though you don't feel it, like you like even when I was looking at the list, I remember well, I don't feel like these are lies, but I I'm discerned because I'm smart. I know that they're lies, right? I don't yeah. feel, I may not feel good, yeah, but they're lies. And then you just start telling yourself, I'm not just going to do X to be good enough. I'm better than good enough. I am your better. Mindset, than good that's enough. your mindset change right there is when you're saying, I'm better than that. I'm better than I'm these better lies. than that. Because these, these people that have influenced or made you feel, you know, quote unquote, made you feel a certain way. It's not about you, right? So you, when you start to tell yourself the truth, like, hey, this person that remarks to this, or I'm kind of worried about engaging with this individual on a regular basis, or I don't, I don't really trust their leadership or their guidance. When you're in that setting, when you finally remove yourself from them and you, you take the emotion out of it and you, and you realize it's not about you and that's their stuff. Wow. How, yeah. how challenging must that be for that individual? How unhappy is that person possibly inside or so caught up in an area of their life that they have to make comments like this to multiple people 
in order to build something up in turn, like how much work that takes for them. Like that's draining. Like I'm glad I I am not that person. I'm glad I don't have that role. I'm glad I don't live that life. And you you just take out the emotion, face the reality, and you can kind of settle into your skin a little bit. Yeah. And you and you will find once you're level headed, Holly, and I've told I think we talked about this before one on one you can, once you go through it and you pull yourself out of it and you settle into your skin and you're like, you know what? I am good enough. I I have got a lot of success. I do things very, very well. I am a unique individual. I'm unlike the other people in this environment or on this team. You can start to seek other opportunities and you can discern the leadership up front. Yes. You, you will know and sometimes there's error, right? Like sometimes you're like, mm, I feel like I'm in a similar situation. They're not as nasty, but they definitely don't believe in me as much as I wanted them to, you know, but, or they don't advocate as much as I thought they were going to, or the culture's not a great fit, but at least your mind's changed and you can navigate. You can pick it out sooner. You know, you can in pick it out process, sooner. you know, in right. a meeting, um, if that company is going to be good for you or not. And Yeah. Um, yeah. And when you're seeking these other opportunities, you, you're you also going to have a better energy about yourself instead of running. And, and, I, and I do believe, I do believe, yes, there are certain situations that you just have to get out of. Like, it's just better if you just cut bait and figure it out. But every op- every place I've ever been in, where I've been in a difficult situation and, I, and I, I'm just emotionally ready to get out, I weathered it a little bit longer so that it was truly on my terms. So that yes, things were made teed the up mm-hmm. successfully for me. And during that wait period, it's funny because in sales, we get hit up by recruiters all the time. And so once I was in a place of calm and I knew it wasn't about me and I was just managing control and the controllables, right? I'm just managing my day, hitting my number, doing what it is I do best. Um, mitigating conversations where they're unneeded and not letting things affect me anymore. Then I'd get a call from a recruiter and I was ready for the opportunity if it was the right fit. And I was, and there was, there are majority of the times that I would tell a recruiter, I am so not interested in that because that's going right back to square one for me, Mm -hmm. you know, but when the right fit comes, it's just this new door with this new opportunity and it's a new energy. and you're so you're so further past those experiences that it's like you don't even recognize that person anymore right and you have a clear mind yeah you your a mind clear mind clear. and you're not making a decision on panic or anxiety you're making a decision because you know it's a good change for you i want to move to the truths you you made a list of what the lies were what was on your list of truths do you remember? Well, Holly, that was a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know, but it helps because it's part of the recognizing who yeah. you are, what you're worth. I had to do this too. I had to dispel my own lies and look at my own truths to give myself the confidence to move on. One I do remember, and and there was I was a couple of during how I was feeling during that specific time that I'm thinking of, but. It was, I earned a seat at the table. 
I did deserve the opportunity that I worked for. My entire background had led me up to that opportunity. And I, they wouldn't have hired me if I didn't think I was right for the job and wasn't going to do the job. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I did deserve to be there. I did deserve a seat at the table. And to know I worked for that, I earned that. That was my truth. That was, that was one of my truths. Um, and that felt good because I, I, I'm saying that right now with a smile on my face. I can hear it. I remember feeling that. I was like, I did do that. I yeah. did do that and I'm going to do it again. Right. And your those voices will not be in your head anymore because you right. can focus on the reality and who you really are. Yeah. So, and you, when you, res- and when you show confidence and boldness, you, not only do you personally feel good, but people are a lot less likely to mess with you after that. (laughs) Back off. You know? Yeah. Well, it's like, it's also creating a boundary, Mm -hmm. you know, when they know that you're not going to put up with certain things anymore. That's also your boundary. Boundaries are critical. But the number one thing that you have to realize as a woman, as a man, whoever's in the thick of it with imposter syndrome is that you are in control of you. You have, you deserve to be in a better space. You are better than good enough. You need to speak truth to yourself. And every time you get that whiny voice in your head that's making you feel bad, and hey, I know, I know exactly what bad feels like. I mean, there's, it's not good. It is, it is a bad, dark place. But that is not, that is not truth. That is what the enemy, that is what negative energy, that is everything that is absolutely not a reality for your life. And you deserve happiness and joy and success and feeling great about yourself and feeling productive and feeling good about the work that you're doing. And you deserve to have every day like that. And so I think you have to lean into a support group that helps you get there and helps you change your mind. And you need to hold yourself accountable to surrounding yourself by the people and a process that keeps you in a better place. I couldn't agree with you more, Annie. I think it's terrific. And for anyone listening, I know they're going to get a lot out of this because the importance of telling yourself the truth is going to help you heal and overcome feelings of imposter syndrome. So I think that's great advice. Anyone out there, write down your truths, write them down, make a list, remind yourself of everything that is wonderful about you personally and professionally, and you'll begin to feel differently. It changes the mindset. So, all righty, Miss Annie, lastly, if anyone wants to get in touch with you, for speaking or learning about your new platform titled, I'll let you say what it is. <laughs> the Women Like You. Yes. How can they get in touch with you? So I, um, well, I have an email address, um, which is info at com. 
And I just ask everyone to stay tuned, stay patient. I am working on this project. Um, I'm so excited about it. It should be rolling out here pretty soon. Um, but that is the best way to outreach me. You can also connect with me on LinkedIn. Annie, that was great advice. And thank you so much for sharing your time with us today. Your words are so valuable and I know our audience will get a lot out of it. So thank you for coming. Thank you so much, Holly, for the work you're doing, the lives that you're touching. Such an honor to be here today. Um, lots of fun, always. Yes, sparking. girl conversations and memories with you. Lots of laughs over here. My face is still <laughs> stretched out, <laughs> laughing and smiling. Well, we'll have to have you back for a different episode on a different topic because you're like I love in. that. All I right, love girl. it. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Holly. Take care. I want to leave you today with some parting tips. If you feel like imposter syndrome is affecting you and you don't quite know how to overcome it, here are two ways you can begin to rid yourself of that negative thinking. But no, this is an ongoing process. You may have to revisit these tips again. I know I do. First, write down the thoughts that you hide, the thoughts that you don't tell anyone that affect how you view yourself. This can be a bit uncomfortable, but it forces you to face what holds you back and hurts you. When you see your words in writing in black and white, you'll begin the process of addressing them. And they may seem silly or they may feel real. Either way, writing them down is a way to shed them and let them go because you're facing them. Next, write down all of your significant accomplishments that you've achieved in life. Why? Because we tend to forget all about the good and amazing things that we've done and we only focus on the negative. I promise when you write them down and again, see them in black and white, you will feel lift in your spirit and confidence. Those words are your truth. And those are my parting words today. This is Holly Kaplan. Cheers until our next episode of Talking Confidence. Thank you, Talking Confidence listeners, for joining me today for this episode. If you would like to connect with me personally for confidence coaching or speaking events, you can reach me at hollykaplan.com. If you would like to buy my book, Surviving the Dick Click, A Girl's Guide to Surviving the Male-Dominated Corporate World, you can find your copy at amazon.com. Thanks.